sometimes I hear God's music. Sometimes. And there just aren't words. Sometimes I hear it. I hear God's music. And there just aren't words. Sometimes I want to put words in. Sometimes I want to explain the feeling, but there just aren't words. Have you ever been in one of those places without words? You heard God's music? May not have even been sure what it was singing to you, but you felt it in your body and your being, either in joy or sorrow or just stillness. Sometimes we hear God's music. And in that moment, perhaps we're meant to just be still. Sometimes we want to fill it up and want to run as fast as we can to the next thing because, boy, it's overpowering. It's overwhelming just to sit in the moment that we hear God's music in our life. It can happen at strange times and strange places. I remember being in a hospital room at the bedside at a death, and the overwhelming feeling was joy. And there just weren't words. We just had to sit with God's music. Sometimes we hear that music and we want to rush away. I've heard that music walking into a river when I thought I'd been abandoned by my family. And in the middle of that river, the Guadalupe, feeling warm and God's love. And it surrounded me in a way that I couldn't have words to tell. So I didn't, because I didn't want people to think I was crazy. But sometimes we hear God's music in our lives. And it empowers us and strengthens us, heals us, gives us joy that we just don't have words for. It can sound jazzy, it can sound rocky, it can sound still, but within our soul, we've heard God's music. Today in the church, we celebrate what's called Trinity Sunday. It's that Sunday that we've been focusing on the actions of the disciples following Jesus's ascension, and we've been following along with them what it means to have a sense of Christ with them. And what does it mean to take action following that? And what words they put to it and how we explain it. And, and you may have known some of these in your traditions. You might have said Father, Son, and Holy Ghost to describe that which we can't really describe. You might have heard Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. You might have heard Christ, Creator, Christ, and Comforter. All words meant to try and put some sort of name to something beyond our experience that we have no words for. But we still try and name it somehow. We still try and figure out what the experience is and try and make sense of it somehow. One of the great mystics of our time, uh, Thomas Merton, writes about this experience. And I claim him as one of our queer people, one of our queer saints. Thomas Merton writes, the deepest level of communication is not communication. It is communion. It is wordless, beyond speech, beyond concept. 
It is communion. When we're in that place of communion with no words, we want to still try and explain it because at times we want other people to know. You know, there's this loving God. There's this experience that can hold you so close and tightly and deeply that there just aren't enough words. There isn't enough praise. I'll tell you as best I can with my little words, but it's still not big enough. You may have felt it. I felt it one time when I was forgiven, when I thought there had been no hope. And in another situation where I forgave someone, where I thought there wasn't ever even a possibility I could come to that place. There just weren't words to describe how God was present, how that one wonderful being that we experience sometimes in different ways, that we have different names for the facets or the personalities or the aspects of God, that we cry, holy, holy, holy. It's a little messy. I wish it was easier just to explain, but it's a mystery. And boy, sometimes it's just hard to tolerate mystery. We want to make it a little bit clearer so we can wrangle with it a little more, maybe be in control of it instead of letting it continue to be a mystery that has power in our life. But what I find fascinating in this description of the Trinity, this description of who God has been for so many people over so many centuries, I find it fascinating that what we're describing is a God who is very, very relational. We're saying the support, the birther of all that is, wants to be in relationship wants to be in relationship even within God's self, that we have three aspects, creator, Christ, and comforter. This God of relationship seems somehow to be interdependent within itself and within us. Isn't that interesting, interdependent, this relational God, this active, active, active love that's happening Sometimes we're not sure how to be interdependent in our world. You know, we know what dominance is. We may know what giving up is. We may know what the word codependent is, but this is an image of interdependence where everyone brings all they have to offer, all their vulnerabilities, all their strengths, all their, all their little bitty weird nuances together and shares them. This God shows us this relationship even within God's self, and we call that the Trinity. We call that a relational being. But we still might suffer with the words a little bit. You might be a poet and you might try. I'm gonna read you an excerpt from Dante. Y'all know Dante? He's not in the Bible. <laughs> Just in case there's any confusion. Dante is not in the Bible. Some of the best images that people remember of heaven are from Dante, not scripture. Some of the most horrific images of hell are from Dante, not scripture. So when I quote from Dante this morning, I want you to know that he's not in the Bible. But he's a poet who's had this experience of not having words and tries to describe the Trinity. And this is the words that Dante uses to describe them. 
He says, I have less power to speak than any infant, wetting its tongue yet at its mother's breast of that living radiance. Within the depthless deep and clear existence of that abyss, a light, three circles shone, three in color, one in circumference, the second from the first, rainbow from rainbow, the third an exhalation of pure fire, equally breathed forth by the other two. But oh, how much my words miss my conception, which is itself so far from what I saw that to call it feeble would be rank deception. Oh, light eternal fixed in itself alone, by itself alone understood, which from itself loves and glows, self-knowing and self-known. And I saw within the image of humanity. I yearn to know just how our image merges into that circle, how it finds there its place, its home. Expressing how inadequate it is, but trying to know the beauty trying to express the love, trying to express the relationship with humanity somehow mysteriously right in the middle of all that is love. When have you known that you had no words to speak? I was in Israel and just planted a little tree. I've been in tears and tears and tears, grieving all the many I'd lost from HIV and AIDS. And I thought I was alone, separated. And as I turned to go back to the tour bus, there waiting behind me was this elderly Jewish grandmother. She'd been praying for me the whole time. She extended her arm and she carried me back to the bus. I didn't have words. Didn't have words. Just sat quietly in God's love. Another time, I was on the sofa, had the cover over me. It's one of those days when I didn't want to move around too much. I had one dog here and one dog here, you know. And in the midst of it, I felt the arms of Christ surrounding me. I just didn't have words to express what it was. This God relationally reaches out to us in all these different ways as creator, as Christ, as comforter, surrounding us so that we have all these names, God of many names, and we try to figure out how to be in relationship, how to be interdependent with God. Bishop Spong of the Episcopal Church says that the Holy Trinity is really an attempt to give rational form to our God experiences. It is not a creed to be believed, as it is an experience to be explored. An experience to be explored. We want to contain, we want to know, we want to say what it is and make it creedal instead of open to breath and life in order to explore it more. These relationships last our whole life long with God and one another, and we just have to keep exploring to find out where we meet, where we meet each other, where we meet those we love, how we meet God in the midst of it all. And in this series we've been doing these last few weeks, following the disciples as the early church and the lessons they were learning about being in relationship with the Spirit and God, we called it Can You Relate? And as a part of that series, we picked up some lessons. 
We picked up the lessons from the eunuch in the first week to ask questions. If you're going to be in relationship, ask questions. The second week, we learned from Peter and the Gentiles to expect surprise. If you really want to be in relationship one with the other that's vulnerable, in relationship with one another that learns, expect surprise. In order to do that, we heard Reverend Vicki talk about listening deeply when we engage the Ascension story. And then, last week on Pentecost, we talked about how God said, okay, please get it. You have direct access to me. Deal directly. You don't have to go to someone else for praise or approval. You have direct connection with me. And as we went through all those lessons through those week, we knew that these are aspects of how we need to be in relationship with God, but not only God, with each other. What does it mean to live and listen deeply to each other? To expect surprise, even from people we've known for decades. To continue to be curious and ask questions, because we don't have all the answers. To continue to go directly to the people that are the people we need to talk to instead of others around them to stay directly in those relationships with one another. Oh, goodness. And now we get a new aspect today, this God that is interdependent. This God that says we are in relationship and connection with each other. And in our relationships with one another, do we own that we're interdependent? Do we allow for the fact that we need one another? Not just like each other. Not just love each other. But that we need each other. As the body of Christ, it's in those places, in those moments of honesty and vulnerability, sometimes where we just have no words, and God fills the blank space. This week, Walter and I were on the sofa watching a show, and I reached over to him, and I said, you know, I need you. It was a different thing than I've said in a while. I've said I love you. And we've had many discussions about the difference between wants and needs, What do you want versus what do you need? But this was just an awareness of our interdependence, that we both bring our full selves to this relationship, and I need that from him. I need that from others as well, and I need that from God. How do we own that in this? Our society doesn't tell us how to need in a healthy way. Do it yourself. You don't need anybody Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, we need one another. This God that we worship, this triune God that we call a trinity, is in relationship. Active within God's self, active reaching out to us. Participatory in life and in love. Oh, goodness. And Paul talks about it this way. And a, a friend of mine in... Um, a clergywoman said of this passage, she said, here is Paul, a man, talking to a bunch of men about labor pains. <laughs> and she goes, yeah. You know, even the sufferings of this present time, please, even in the sufferings of this present time, don't fall back into a spirit of bondage. Stay with the spirit of adoption. Don't be afraid God has already claimed you. God has already said, you belong. Don't fall back into fear. Even in the sufferings of the present time, which in Rome 
who Paul was writing to, they were suffering. All creation, all that is, longs, longs for you. It's waiting in labor pains, groaning in labor. Will you be a part? Will you fall back into fear where you do it on your own? Will you wonder what it means to be vulnerable and maybe have an interdependent relationship with God and with life? Knowing your strengths, knowing their strengths, knowing your weaknesses, knowing their weaknesses, will you do that dance that we say is happening in the Trinity? I love the way Meister Eckhart talks about it. He's a mystic from the Middle Ages, medieval times. He says, in the heart of the Trinity, the Creator laughs and gives birth to the child. The child laughs back at the Creator, and together they give birth to the Spirit. The whole Trinity laughs and gives birth to creation. And the joy of being in relationship with one another, and the joy of sharing back and forth the love that is present, creation erupts. Joy emerges. Laughter creates. This God is creating in a way of relating. Can we take a lesson and wonder what it means? Aren't there times in your life when you've experienced it, but you may not have words to say what it was. Don't run from that silence. The music of God. Sometimes we hear it. So if you listen strong enough and hear it and wonder about this trinity that's supposed to be a way of exploring and not a way of explaining, that's supposed to open up your life, listen to these words from Shannon Kirshner. She's a reverend of the Lutheran tradition. She says, when you confess a belief in the triune God, you're saying God is not static, God is not monolithic. When you confess a triune God, you say that God both creates life out of chaos and walks on earth as Jesus. When you confess life in a triune God, you say that the one who was experiencing suffering of crucifixion at the same moment was experiencing the grief of a parent. When you say you trust in the triune God, you are claiming that the one who ascended into heaven is the same as the one who is always with you. The active God that's on the move and will be in the future, always reconciling all things made new. Can we hold it together that way? Can we not let the pieces fall apart? Can we not imagine ourselves separate that we don't need any relationship with anyone or God at all? Can we trust in an interrelating God this much? This is the God that reaches out to us over and over again in the music, in sorrow, in joy, in sadness, always, always continuing to want to be in relationship, not just for those of you who've heard the music, but for the very next one who's waiting, in whose life you may be the music for which they have no words. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Good morning, church. My name is Emily Bryant. I joined Resurrection about four years ago. However, I've attended for more than 20 years. I grew up Southern Baptist in a small town in Louisiana. It has been a journey. When my world turned upside down in January of last year, I was thankful to have Resurrection as my church family. My relationship of three years ended, and with that, friendships, family life, and home as I knew it. I was angry. I was hurt. The deception, the manipulation, the betrayal stung deeply. It was hard to just move and breathe. But I got up, kept going, and came here to have a place to come to, to worship, to pray with you, to receive communion, to be present with all of you in the presence of God, and to be able to do it openly is a blessing. It kept me going. It has hit, made picturing my future possible. And lo and behold, I was able to trust and love again. It has been a year since Margaret and I started dating. We attend this service regularly. We normally sit in the back. Our drive is 40 miles one way, so it's an all-day event for us. I give of myself to resurrection through time with campus care, through ties, and attending regularly. I also share about resurrection on a regular basis. Recently, Margaret and I went to Austin and Kerrville, and we made a point to bring our Got Love t-shirts to wear on the Sunday drive back. Those of you who follow us on Facebook know that we stop at Vineyards wherever we are. On that Sunday, we stopped at five Vineyards. You know we had to have communion. <laughs> there were several inquiries and compliments about the Got Love shirts. This gave us opportunities to share with others about resurrection. Each of us has many opportunities to give to our church family and home to keep the program supported and available for the future. I have received so much more from my church family than I can ever repay. It was you, the church, and my faith in God that helped me get through one of the most trying times of my life. Being in the presence of God with you to worship and share gave me strength to move forward in my life, enabled me to listen to what my anger was saying and start to forgive. This is still a process. I have hope. Had I been in that small Louisiana town, would I have had the same support and understanding? Only God knows for sure. What I know is that support and understanding is here. I encourage you to take the opportunities to give yourself in whatever way you can so resurrection can be here for the next person who walks through our doors in need, because they do every Sunday. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, Emily, for sharing your story with us. What you said is, is true. We are God's witnesses in the world. No matter where we are, we are sent out to be witnesses in our hurt and in our joy. So as we prepare to give today, I ask you to take Emily's story with you. 
It's true. Every single Sunday, there is someone who finds us for the first time. It is your giving that makes it possible to open the doors each week so that we can be a place where people can heal, where they can find love. So as the ushers come, prepare your gifts. Amen. <laughs>